and it's happening it's officially happening welcome everybody um i am derek womack this is the dynasty underground show you can find me on twitter at derek j womack um yeah dude it's happening i am officially getting some blowback for some of my takes um and it's mostly, you know, the, um, so people are just like, um, is this guy really ranking players based on speed score and target share alone? And I mean, the answer to that question is no, not really, but also, yeah, kind of, <laughs> um, yeah, kind of, I mean, okay. So here's basically the deal. One of my favorite exercises, especially in Dynasty, is who, which player would you rather have in a vacuum? Player X, player Y, or player Z? Uh, well, right now, these running backs, they are in a vacuum. This is as close as we're going to get to them actually being in a vacuum. They don't have an NFL team yet. <clears throat> they don't have a backfield mate or lack thereof. They don't have draft capital. They don't have projected roles. I mean, technically, some of them, I guess, kind of do as far as projections go. Anyways, I mean, right now, we just know they're good players. I mean, these running backs that I talked about in the first episode, the last episode, we, they, we just know that they're good players. And especially for running backs, situation means so much offense they're in projected i mean the projected touches they're gonna be able to get per game like it means so much so i mean right now we just know that they're good players so we have to find some way to differentiate them if we're going to rank them and put them in an order and for me i am always going to lean towards the guy that's the biggest, the fastest, and involved in the passing game. It's active in the passing game. Um, I mean, they all project to have fairly early draft capital, I would say. I mean, I'd say they're all going on day two. If they don't, then, I mean, they'll obviously fall. But, like, the, what, I mean, my rankings are going to change. That's the thing. I'm not going to rank these players stubbornly right now, set it in stone, and act like situation doesn't matter. Um, but like I said, so yeah, right now I'm. I just have to find some way to differentiate differentiate these players. So talking about the speed score, talking about you know their target share. I mean, it's just a tiebreaker essentially. Um, so anyways, that's just kind of, I mean, I'm sure the people who were actually, their senses were offended <laughs> by the way I chose to rank those players. Um, I don't know. They might not be listening. Hopefully they are. Hopefully you are. Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of my process for now. I'm nothing if not malleable. Um, but we're not here to talk about running backs anymore, even though I would love to. We are here today to talk about the incoming 
wide receivers, and I'm just going to jump right ahead and go into it. Uh, my number one is C.D. Lamb. University of Oklahoma's own C.D. Lamb. And you know what? Maybe this is bias. Maybe this is vividness bias. Because not only have I watched every game C.D. Lamb has played in college, I've seen a handful of them live and in person because I actually live like within walking distance of the University of Oklahoma's campus and football stadium. <laughs> I can literally see their football stadium from my balcony in my apartment. <laughs> so, like, like I said, maybe it's vividness bias, maybe it's hometown hero bias, but, I mean, for me, I think for most people, it's really between uh, CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy for that number one spot. And... When I hear the DeAndre Hop the uh, the DeAndre Hopkins comparisons for CeeDee Lamb, um, and see him returning punts, I mean he's he's the University of Oklahoma's primary punt returner. Um, that's huge because you see that oftentimes when you see receivers that return punts, they're also generally really good with yards after the catch. And you see that translate with a guy like CeeDee Lamb. You see him catch a ball on the sideline, and oftentimes his first move isn't straight down the field, isn't you know out of bound, isn't running out of bounds. It is back towards the middle of the field, so he can then open up, you know, with his change of direction ability. Um, and like, I mean. Like I said, we're nitpicking, I think, with Lamb and Judy. But just seeing CeeDee Lamb on the field, I don't think any of these guys are 100% bus-proof. But I think CeeDee Lamb is the closest we have in this class. Which brings me to number two. I've already, you know, kind of spoiled it. It's Jerry Judy. I mean, what's... What's really not to like about Jerry Judy? Honestly, I mean, dominant receiver, uh, playing a great offense across from another possible first-round pick at wide receiver, and that's something that's been growing on me more and more in my rankings, and I'll talk about it in a little bit some more, but that uh, that teammate score, um, credit to, you know, Nate Liss and Ryan Lopes from the Breakout Finder podcast um, really kind of opened my eyes towards the teammate score and factoring that in. Because it, basically, it's the Odell Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry cor- corollary. You know, where we had two great wide receivers playing on the same offense, but we kind of didn't know how good they were because they were eating into each other's targets, then they separate and they both dominate. So that's kind of what I love about Jerry Judy is he was dominant. He was productive. Um, Just, I mean, smashing week after week after week with who is, I mean, is 100% going in the, uh, before the end of the second round. Um, 
when you're able to produce like that with another NFL talent on the same field as you, that matters. That means my, my favorite quote that I've heard um, recently was it might be it might have been J.J. Zacharyson, but uh, maybe not. But the quote was targets are a skill. I love that quote because that means you're getting open. That, and it kind of necessarily makes you fade players like the J.J. Arcega-Whitesides, um, who I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit because that's why I'm kind of fading T. Higgins a little bit. Um, don't yell at me right now if you like those players, um, if you like T. Higgins, if you are still a believer in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, because the explanation's coming. Just, just hang in, hang in there. Um, but like I said, for Jerry Judy to command the targets and to have the success that he did while operating on the field with another, not only NFL talent, but likely high draft capital NFL talent is noteworthy. It's great for projecting NFL success in my opinion and that's why if you want to have him at number one I don't have a problem with it um but that's why he's my number two um and which brings me to number three and this is probably my biggest riser um from the end of the college football season to now is Justin Jefferson oh my gosh I'm loving this dude and I mean, maybe having him wide receiver three is a little silly, <laughs> but I just, I don't know what there, what's not to like. Six foot one, 202 pounds, four, four, three, 40. That's an 83rd percentile speed score. Uh, 51st percentile college dominator. That doesn't sound great, but you have to factor in the teammate score. He is playing with. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire caught a bunch of passes at running back. Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the names of their other wide receivers right now. But, um, I mean, he's on the field with stud after stud after stud. And he still registered a 51st percentile college dominator, 75th percentile breakout age. I mean... Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, is a smash. And just as a bonus, um, I heard Curtis Patrick. This is this is per Curtis Patrick. There are two wide receivers in the 2020 draft class that will be 21 for their entire rookie season, which were and are early declares with a breakout age of 19 years old. One of them is Justin Jefferson. The other is Jalen Rager. Um, who I have at number four. And, I mean, we're getting to the point, if you want to have Rager over Jefferson, that is that is completely fine. Um, I'm not going to argue a whole lot. For me, personally, it's with those two, they're so close for me. It's all about that teammate score. Justin Jefferson 
with target competition after target competition after target competition on LSU's offense. And he posted, you know, 51st percentile, technically above average college dominator rating. Compare that to Jerry Judy, who I think is 36th, which, like I said, we have to, like, with the teammate score, that helps you rationalize away. Because it's clear Jerry Judy is a talented player. That's why we don't just look at college dominator or some of these metrics and let them tell the story. We have to know all of it. So, like I said, for Justin Jefferson to have that production with that much NFL talent surrounding him, um, I mean, I want to put him, I, I really wanted to put him at number two. Um, I feel like it's, I, I'm not, I'm not prepared for the blowback. You know what? Oh my gosh. You know what? Okay, I'm going to do this live on the air, on these airwaves. I am sliding Justin Jefferson up past Jerry Judy in my rankings. And let me explain why. I've already talked about the college dominator. It was higher with Justin Jefferson. And that's with probably more NFL talent. I mean, we're not going to see it this year necessarily. We'll see it next year. Because they might have two more wide receivers go in the first two rounds. So if Justin Jefferson is playing with two wide receivers that are two, you know, first, second round NFL picks, and Judy's playing with one, maybe, maybe two, I don't know. Either way, like I said, we got Judy at 6'1", 193. We have Justin Jefferson at 6'2", 202. So he's heavier. They're the same speed. Um, similar breakout ages, but the college dominator Justin Jefferson put up not only with the wide receivers in his in and the tight end. Good lord, we got with Randy Moss's son. I cannot remember his first name, but yeah, we had Randy Moss's son playing tight end, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire catching passes out of the backfield. For me, Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver too. Lock it in. I made the switch. I said I was malleable. It happened. And he continues to rise up my board. I called him my fastest riser. I don't see him surpassing C.D. Lamb. Um, unless Lamb gets drafted into just the worst spot imaginable and Jefferson gets drafted into the best. Um... I'm not going to speculate on that right now, but yeah, right now I'm, I'm making the switch. It's Justin Jefferson at two for me, Jerry Judy at wide receiver three, which brings me to my number four, Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager Targaryen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I stole that joke. Um, there's not a whole lot to dislike about this guy either 511 206 44740 that's a 70th percentile speed score got the 18.7 breakout age 95th percentile and you gotta love you gotta love that that early production um like, like i said he's right up there with justin jefferson as far as 
he'll be 21 for his entire rookie season. He's an early declare. Um, uh, and, uh, like I said, that breakout age of 19 or 18, actually, he was 18 years old out there dominating division one competition. Uh, there's not a whole lot to dislike about this guy and you can kind of rationalize away the absence of the, of just gaudy numbers, you know, a way you can rationalize away the absence of Blitnikoff worthy numbers due to just a terrible quarterback play that he's endured at, uh, Texas Christian. Um, like I said, every everything I said about you know the the metrics and the teammate not the teammate score but you know the the early production and everything you can kind of copy and paste what I said about Justin Jefferson, uh, which is going to bring me to Denzel Mims at number five. Denzel Mims is the last wide receiver in this class that I really like. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of strange because he's not an early declare. You know, he came out as a senior. Um, but what I kind of like is, uh, he was kind of the alpha dog at the senior bowl. And when you think back to these last few years, you know, who, which wide receiver was it that dominated the senior bowl? It was Debo Samuel. It was um, Cooper Cup. You know, some. I mean, these guys, this year it's Denzel Mims. And, you know, and what I like about Mims, like Cooper Cup, if I am remembering right, didn't break out until his final season at, I think it was Western Kentucky. So I, I was completely out on Cooper Cup. But he goes in dominates the senior bowl and turns out he's actually a pretty good player. Denzel Mims actually has a well above average, a 19.9 67th percentile breakout age. So he was producing as a sophomore at 6'3", 207 pounds with a 43840. Now, what I like about that is he's not going to be used as a situational deep threat. To me, he'll he'll be used very similarly to Terry McLaurin. Um, like I said, both taller guys. I mean, they're not towering by any means. I mean, six three, I guess, is is pretty tall. But oh my gosh, Terry McLaurin's only six foot tall. Why does he look taller than that? <laughs> I mean, either way, like I said, Terry McLaurin is another is another fast guy. I, I believe he ran in the fourth four three five. Yeah, he ran a four three five, but he's not used as a deep threat. He very well could be, but he's used more of that possession receiver role, which is what I think Denzel Mims will be used as well. Um, obviously, it kind of depends on who takes him, but, um, so here's why, like I said, as much as I like Denzel Mims, uh, 
And this kind of ties into why I like Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager so much. Is there's a, there's a stat I read from Warren Sharp on Twitter. It says 313 wide receivers have been drafted in the last 10 years. The percentages of those 313 that produced at least wide receiver two numbers goes as so 31.1% of those wide receivers reached wider two status wide receiver two status if they declared early only 6.7 of of those 313 players only 6.7 so what is that I'm 24, 25 out of 313 players, something like that. Um, I mean, which isn't, which isn't a death sentence. And, you know, I just talked about, you know, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cub, Debo Samuel. You know, these guys were all seniors coming out. Uh, but yeah, so what I like about, Denzel Mims, because I, I take that into account. That's why I have Mims at five. I, I could have him higher. I wanted to have him higher. But when I see statistics like that, I don't I don't let statistics like that, you know, num, I don't let any individual number um, influence my decisions. But whenever I see a number like 6.7%, that's so low. Um, I, I mean, I do take that into account, but what I also take into account is the early breakout age, um, is the dominance of the senior bowl. And so, I mean, I think Denzel Mims is, like I said, he's the last of my group of wide receivers from this class that I really, that, that I really feel pretty good about, which so it's bringing me to none other than Brandon Ayuk at number six. Um, wide receiver from Arizona State, six foot, 205, 4540. That's not terrible. Um, so he meets kind of the arbitrary number that I like to see, the 65th percentile speed score. Um, like I said, 65th percentile, I feel like, is high enough above what would technically be average to say he's well above average, or at least above average. Um, and we all know, <laughs> listening to the last episode, I like the speed score. Um, but, I mean, as I just said, I don't let it influence everything. Uh but the 82nd percentile college dominator. And so he only, he had a 21.5, 26th percentile breakout age, but that was partially due to, I think, I believe he transferred out of Juco to Arizona state where none other than first round pick Nikhil Harry was currently residing. Um, and that brings it back to the teammate score. And like I said, these guys, so, I mean, all of these guys coming up, they have things that I like, you know, the speed score, the dominator rating, the teammate score. 
Um, you know, but he has, I mean, I don't know. I really just don't know about Brandon Ayuk. Um, hopefully, hopefully he just gets drafted into what appears to be a, what projects to be a good situation and we can all confidently smash the button on him. Cause I think he's a good player. I think he's got plenty of tools four, five, forty. That's not bad. I think that's what CD lamb ran. Um, so, I mean, I got no problem with Brandon. Ayuk. he just doesn't have a whole lot that excites me, you know? And, I think that's why I like these other guys, especially my top four guys. They're exciting to me. They are, you know, maybe not perennial, but they are wide receiver one potential guys for me. You know, you like, I feel fairly confident that each one of those guys is capable of producing at least one wide receiver uh, one season. I just don't feel that way with Brandon Ayuk. I feel like he, his ceiling is somewhere going to be around, you know, a mid wide receiver too, which might be ridiculous to say because, like I said, he doesn't have, these players don't have landing spots yet. He could land in in an awesome spot and just prove everybody wrong, or prove me wrong at least. Um, I'm rooting for the guy, but, He just doesn't have a whole lot that excites me. Which is a perfect segue for my number seven, T. Higgins. T. Higgins is... So if Justin Jefferson is my my biggest riser since the end of the college football season, T. Higgins is probably my biggest faller. And it started with... So the 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 initial analysis I heard of T Higgins was that term well he's great at contested catches. Oh, contested catches. Oh, T Higgins great at cont- he'll convert those contested catches. I, I've already just, I've already stated, you know, one of my new favorite terms is targets as a skill, which essentially means if you're getting targeted, you're getting separation. When I hear someone converting contested catches, especially at 6'4", I start picturing Devin Funches in college. I picture Kelvin Benjamin coming out of college. I picture J.J. Ortega, Ortega Whiteside coming out of college. And... I mean, obviously, I don't think I have to say, I don't think I have to tell you that none of these guys are exciting. I mean, nobody, even Devin Funches landing with Aaron Rodgers in free agency. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that or not. It happened. Um, But you're not excited about these guys. And then he goes out and runs a 4-5-9-40, which, I mean, like I said, here's... Here's where everybody who accused me of being a speed score junkie is gonna have to is gonna have to find a new reason to not like me. Is he has a 73rd percentile speed score because he's so tall, but I don't want 
the tall, slow, wide receiver that can't separate. I mean, not with significant rookie draft capital. Like I said, we're at wide receiver seven for me. I'm going to have likely four running backs ahead of all the wide receivers. I'll probably have a couple of them above Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And then obviously I'm going to have all the way up to, you know, I'll have six total wide receivers ranked ahead of uh, T. Higgins. So already you take the five running backs, you take the six wide receivers. We're at pick 12 in a rookie draft. So the earliest, the absolute earliest, I would think about picking T. Higgins in a rookie draft. Right now, situation agnostic, obviously, is 12 overall. Just because I, I mean, people love him because he went to Clemson. He won, you know, he played in and won a national championship. Um, and I mean, like I said, he's 6'4, 216. That looks awesome. I mean, when you see a player, when you see a player that tall and that big when they're in shape, they look like Calvin Johnson walking around out there. I mean, they just look like a tank. Only problem is there's kind of only one Calvin Johnson. You know, most of these guys are going to be, I mean, I'm sorry to say, most of these guys are going to be Devin Funches. I realize T. Higgins has some upside. That's why he's likely, honestly, he's probably more an early second rounder for me. Um, earliest, the last pick in the first round in a 12-team uh, Dynasty League rookie draft. Which brings me to someone who is definitively a second round pick for me at at the highest, which I'm not crazy. He's probably going to go in the first round in almost every rookie draft. And if you think I have forgotten him up to this point and you're screaming at me to talk about Henry Ruggs, I assure you I have not forgotten about Henry Ruggs. I get it. The dude blazed. Um, he's going to have, you know, the great teammate score because he played with Jerry Judy. But here's my problem. He's 5'11", 188, and ran the 42740. I get it. That's awesome. And I think he will be a very good NFL player. I think he will help, and whatever NFL team drafts him, I think he will help their offense move the ball downfield. I think he will help them win games. But this is a fantasy football discussion. You don't see a whole lot of guys like this like consistently produce for fantasy football. Um... I mean, you have a Brandon Cooks every now and then. You have a T.Y. Hilton every now and then. But so many times these guys are John Ross. They are Curtis Samuel, which don't get me wrong. I 
I think Curtis Samuel could be a I think he's I think he's pretty clearly a good NFL football player. I think he could be a better fantasy producer if he didn't have two other similar players playing alongside him, especially I mean he's essentially a running back wide receiver high wide receiver hybrid and he has maybe the best running back wide receiver hybrid in the league also on his team. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we had Hollywood Brown last year who absolutely look, I mean, he's similar size, right? Henry Ruggs, 5'11", 188. Um, Hollywood Brown, oh my gosh, where is he at? Um, like I said, Henry Ruggs, 5'11", 188. Hollywood Brown, Oh my goodness. So 5'9, 166. So quite a bit smaller. <laughs> um I don't know. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel is another one. These small the small speed guys. Except they're usually they're usually pretty great for an NFL team. You know, they stretch out secondaries, they open up things for the middle. Let's say so if Henry Ruggs gets drafted by say the Washington Redskins. So here's what I think would be awesome. I've heard rumors about the Raiders drafting two wide receivers in the first round. Do they have, I, I guess they have, I guess they have two first round picks. Don't quote me on that. Cause this is what I've heard. To me, it would make a lot of sense to draft a player like CD lamb and then a player like Henry Ruggs. Because CeeDee Lamb is so good in space, so good after the catch. If you get Henry Ruggs with that 4-2-7 speed, taking the top off the defense, stretching him out, getting him out of position, and then getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb over the middle, and then watching him do work, I think that's I think that's a great winning strategy. For real life football. Um, And you know what? If you don't trust me, don't take my word for it. Go listen to Curtis Fitzpatrick. Or not Curtis Fitzpatrick. Curtis Patrick. Go follow Curtis Patrick on Twitter. And ask him about Henry Ruggs. He'll be able to tell you a lot more than I can. Um, he's part of the reason Ruggs kind of started the slide down for me. Um, I mean, he was always below. So I, I think the highest I had Ruggs was six ahead of T Higgins and Brandon Ayuk. But man, he's just, there are so few successful comparable players to Henry Ruggs for fantasy football. Are you really going to spend an early round, an early rookie pick on a player that by percentages is unlikely to be a hit? Like in my opinion, you have to fade that player. You have to fade Henry Ruggs because you have to play the percentages when you're early I mean, 
I mean, you've got to hit on your first-round rookie picks. You have to. If you want to compete in your dynasty leagues, you're, you have to hit on your first-round rookie picks. And so I don't see why you would want to gamble a low-percentage player for fantasy football in that first round. Like, if you've watched this tape and you are just in love, you think, I mean, you think he's just going to be a stud, then, I mean, I do what you got to do. I'm going to advise against it. Um, if you have somebody, if you know some people in your league that love Henry Ruggs and you're in prime position to draft him, Honestly, the play would be to trade down and try to get, you know, a a Justin Jefferson or a Jalen Rager plus, you know, maybe a third round pick. Take another flyer on. Because at that point, you're getting a higher percentage player as far as their hit rate goes. Plus another, you know, a third round lottery ticket, which is where, you know, Terry McLaurin was going last year. Um, you can find every, I mean, there's going to be some players in the third round that hit. And so that's just, that would just be my advice. If you're in the position to draft rugs, my advice would just be trade to trade down and take a player with, I mean, who has a higher hit rate when you talk about comparable wide receivers. Um, and we'll talk about all of this more. Um, hopefully be bringing some guests on at some point in the near future. And if you have any questions about my Henry Ruggs, about my takes on any of these players, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. That's at Derek J. Womack, D-E-R-E-K-J-W-O-M-A-C-K. Until next time, that's going to be the end of the show. And until next time, I am Derek Womack. This has been the Dynasty Underground Show.